0: going on everybody the boys are back we are officially returning for the upcoming 2021 football season covid starting to move its way out the door as we hope the upcoming football season is finally here and we're here to break down a little bit of the preseason headlines for you i'm back with my man hunter hunter how you doing bro
1: I'm doing all right, man. Hoping this Delta variant doesn't come in and bite us in the butt, but uh, you know, I'm just trying to look past that right now and just get excited for football. So absolutely, <laughs> Let's leave absolutely. COVID behind.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, man. Well, we certainly have a lot to look forward to this year, um, especially uh, after what we would consider maybe 2020 to 2020, which is a down year overall. Um, you know, with no have not being able to go to a single game, um, probably one of the hardest seasons for, for me, uh, from just from that standpoint alone, uh, n- not being able to see, uh, you know, our tailgate crew or, you know, being able to watch the team in the stands uh, and, you know, just college football didn't have the same feel uh, last year than, you know, normally it does. you know, when we get excited to wake up on Saturday mornings and drive to Fontaine and you have the game day atmosphere and uh, you look forward to seeing, you know, cabman right out, the, right out of the tunnel with the team and, uh, you know all the big plays that get made, and hearing the roar of the crowds, and you know stuff that we all just missed last year. You know we didn't get that that energy. Um, the team didn't get that energy. That was probably the most important thing last year is the team didn't get that energy that uh, that they usually get. And uh, you know I think I think this year it's going to be a welcome welcome sight to see it again. Um, you know especially with our first home game, one being a night game. And second, it's going to be against William & Mary. Um, so it should be a, something for us to look forward to. I think definitely a good way to start the season. You know, hopefully we can get a win under our belt right from the get-go. But um, let's uh, – before we jump into, like, you know, the start of this this upcoming year, let's look back in 2020 a little bit. Uh, for me, I would say kind of just my review of this 2020 season is that it was kind of like a rebuilding year. Um, you know, we went 5-5. Five and five, Um had a couple of good wins and a couple of bad losses. Um there was a lot of inconsistent play. Um best wins came against you know UNC at home um and Boston College at home. Um so t- two two pretty solid wins uh, especially against UNC um led by Mac Brown and you know Sam Howell their incredible quarterback. Um so you know to outdo them was was huge for us and then just a couple of bad losses against teams like NC State, Wake and then of course, that dreaded loss against Virginia Tech was never good. But, you know, we're, what are your thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, man, I think in a year where, you know, obviously so much goes out the window with home field advantage and, you know, the game day atmosphere, the day-to-day grind of being able to even field a team each day, you know, it's, it's very easy to look at last season and be willing to, you know, not really try to take too much from it. At the same time, I think that there are some key takeaways that we will talk about. Um, You know, the ACC in general last year, especially when you eliminated the divisions, I think you saw just how like clumped together the middle of the conference truly is. Um, You know, when you see a team like Virginia, who maybe in the eyes of others around the ACC is like around like a mediocre to, in some people's eyes, maybe even below average football team in the conference, like being able to beat North Carolina when they're a top 15 team. In a primetime game, um, you know, and but then at the same time being able to lose to a, a Wake Forest team that, you know, maybe is like on a similar level to UVA. I think it just shows that there's a lot of parity across the conference. Um, I think that'll continue to be the trend this year. Um, but you know, obviously we're gonna get on, get to touch on that and maybe a little bit more of the like schedule breakdown. But just as a sneak preview to that, my opinion is, you know, I, I think that. The teams like Carolina and, and Miami, while they probably have more excitement around them, I'm still not fully convinced that I know for sure they're like a step above the rest of the Coastal Chaos. Like y'all are still sure. part of this Coastal Chaos. Don't don't try to be faking on us. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. And I feel like year after year, you know. UVA finds themselves at the bat at the bottom of the uh, preseason power rankings or polls or you know whatever you want to call them that these so-called analysts you know know everything and you know when nobody thought we stood a chance of winning a coastal championship we did just that um, you know when when nobody gave us a shot to you know almost upset Florida and the Orange Bowl you know we we proved them wrong you know we we were we were one touchdown away from doing that you know there's there's so many. Uh, there's so many things that I think just with not having the, the tradition like other schools do where we continuously get looked down upon and to, to, you know, to other people's, you know, uh, to play devil, devil's advocate here. Like I, I get it. You know, we had a lot of bad seasons um, in the past, uh, but the tide has really changed on our Bronco. Um, you know, I think there's never, we've never had, we haven't had this much excitement around the football team in a while. Um, not since the early outgrow days, you know, uh, even further back, you know, than that, uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot to be excited about. There we had a lot of great wins, uh, some bad losses, but I think we've seen a lot more positives than negatives up to this point. Um, Recruiting is continuing to improve. And uh, we've seen that, especially this year, I think we're on our way to probably having probably the best class that Broncos going to uh, that, that we've ever seen under, under Bronco, I think in the 2022 class is where that's going to come. Um, but, you know, I think it's, you know, as far going back to the 2020 season, I think we need to uh, really address, I guess, the big, the, the big thing that, uh, that kind of was a change for the team. And that was the quarterback position. You know, it's the first year that Bryce Perkins is gone. Um, you know, we're coming off of a season where we ended the, the dreaded streak against Virginia Tech um, and, you know, played for, you know, played for the ACC championship, played for the Orange Bowl. You know, we, we had those opportunities that nobody had ever seen UVA be a part of. Um, Brennan Armstrong had some pretty big shoes to fill. Um, in, a, in a year of COVID where, you know, teams couldn't practice together the way they wanted to, camps weren't the same. You know, units were practicing individually instead of having full team practices. You know, I think, I think it really, uh, looking back on Brennan's season, it was a lot of inconsistencies. Um, I think we've all known what Brandon's capable of, and I think we've seen – we were able to see flashes of it in 2020. Um, but it definitely was a little bit – I think it was almost a little bit of a disappointment in my in my eyes. Um, you know, yeah, he had – so he had 18, 18 pass touchdowns and five brush touchdowns to his 11 interceptions. Um, but a lot of the throws outside of the 11 interceptions that he made um, you know, he was missing deep routes. Um, he was trying to fit balls into places where it really just shouldn't be thrown. Um, and, you know, I think it, it really kind of stopped the ball from moving down the field at times. And, but it also, I think in a way, the coaching staff almost really didn't set him up to succeed. I don't think that great last year um, because I mean, he accounted for like, I think over 70% of the total offense last year and the running back usage was extremely minimal and when you have a new quarterback coming in in a year like in a year like that um it, it just really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me um but you know honestly you know he and you know i know he got he got injured during the nc state game he threw two picks um and then got injured um and he missed the wake forest game so i'm kind of chalking the nc state in the wake up game and the wake forest game up a little bit with him being injured you know those games might've gone differently if Brennan stayed in, but you know, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to say, but as far as 2020 goes, I I think it was a lot of learning opportunities for Brennan and I'm really hoping to uh, really hoping to see him make that next step this year.
1: Yeah, I think so too.
0: Um, You know, and I don't want to sit
1: here and like make a whole bunch of excuses for him and obviously COVID impacted everyone, but you know, if you have to think of like, a spot where you know not having a spring uh, a true spring ball environment would like impact someone the most you would think breaking in a quarterback into the starting role Um, especially when you have a whole bunch of transfers coming in at like Tony Poljan at tight end or Sean Henry at wide receiver obviously Lavelle Davis was an incoming freshman that he didn't even get to work with until fall camp so I do think what we saw early in the year was you see glimpses of him looking really good and then you know, one out of every maybe ten throws, you were just like, "What the heck was that?" Like, yeah, where it just it they would come out of nowhere. Seriously, <clears throat> like it, it that was I think what was the most frustrating part was seeing him be so good, like down by down, looking like you know super consistent, but then randomly just making a really like bizarre decision. So I have to attribute that you know to to probably just not being ready to be a full time starter yet. I think you know he didn't really have all the reps that a normal guy would have that gets to go through spring. Um, you know, that being said, I thought throughout the season, I saw improvement clearly, especially after he came back from that injury, you know, this tech game might've been a, um, where he probably didn't look quite as good in that game. Um, you know, first drive, I thought he looked great, but then it kind of tailed off. and Maybe he wasn't quite ready for that big game rivalry environment, cold Blacksburg. Um, But, you know, I I think I liked what I saw from him, but I definitely see where you're coming from, where you could maybe put it in the lens of like seeing it as a disappointment, but I am choosing to take the glass half full, um, you know, version of that story. And, you know, at at the very minimum, you have to say he was very productive and he did run the offense in a very similar way to the way Bryce Perkins was able to with his own little flair. So I'm, I'm super excited to see him come back have that off season where he's the true starter and, and got to get through a whole spring game. And I know both you and I got to, you know, go out there to Charlottesville um, back in April to get to see that game live, or maybe it was May, but whatever it was, um, you know, getting to see him in person again, um, I felt like I could see right away and, and, you know, as we'll get to later on in this podcast, like there's definitely weapons out there. So, you know, there's really no excuse for him to not succeed this year. Um as long as the offensive coordinator and an eye, you know, it, 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 as long as he's able
0: to set him up for success. Exactly. Exactly. And, and like, and that's kind of like what I said before, it's you know a matter of, you know, the coaching staff, I think, you know, setting him up to succeed. And that's, you know, I believe me, I, I have full faith in this coaching staff. This is not, this is not me discrediting them at all, but like when you have a brand new quarterback and when we had the running back options that we did, and to not utilize those options to their full capability and instead putting all of this pressure on Brennan, um, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me Um, when you have somebody that's coming in to fill these incredible shoes that Bryce Perkins left. um, Because I mean, when you really look back on it, the impact that Bryce Perkins really made on the UVA program and community as a whole is something that'll live on forever. It's something that we will always remember looking back um, on, you know, all the years of football that we've watched and to have to step into that role that Brennan left. I mean, that Bryce left is it's tough and I get it. Um, So I think, you know, when we went to the spring game, I definitely saw a lot of improvements out of Brennan. Um, He's not throwing off his back foot. A lot. Uh, he seems to really be. He seemed to really be stepping into his throws. Um, one thing I was a little bit concerned about was um, some of the deep balls that he was making didn't really, didn't really hit the guys um, in stride if he was overthrowing or underthrowing. Um, but you know, some of the videos that I've seen, you know, that have come out more recently in fall camp, it really seems like him and Dontavian Wicks are really starting to uh, find that connection, and uh, you know, that's that's something that I think we have a lot to look forward to and. And, you know, one more thing I just want to touch on with, you know, 2020, you know, we can't we can't forget, you know, Lavelle Davis being such a huge bright spot. Um, and, you know, we're definitely, you know, I hate it for him that he had you know the serious injury that he did and that he's not going to be with the team this year. Um, but when he comes back, it's he's going to be a problem. And- yeah, I mean. The,
1: the the crazy part is, you know, from what we see in some of these videos and, and things that he's been posting, he's already running routes again, and he's out there with the team working after practice. Um, Bronco sort of alluded to the fact that he's still very much on schedule to be back for the end of the season. So, you know, if he makes be, it back, that would be crazy. It <laughs> would be an awesome boost for the month of November when yeah know, injuries typically are starting to really, like, you know take its effect on the team when you're like that deep into the schedule um yeah. it's you know it's probably re- really tough to expect someone to just immediately be able to contribute coming off a crazy injury like that but that being said he's kind of a freak um yeah he is. the fact <laughs> he's even going to be ready to go possibly by then shows like how, just truly how athletically special he is um, so you know we'll see we're not going to factor that into like our decision-making on wins and losses when we get there. But at the same time, uh, it would just be the cherry on top of what's already going to be a pretty exciting group of
0: playmakers that we have out there this year. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, um, and so that's, you know, that's one thing on the offensive side of the ball I wanted to highlight. Um, But, you know, it's, you know, just real quickly, the defense in 2020, I think, you know, anybody could agree was, a major, major disappointment. I mean, it was, it was bad, like bad. And, you know, I know we dealt with injuries and, you know, a few other things, but, um, you know, overall, I think across the NCAA, um, the defenses as a whole were bad last year. Um, but I think, I think our expectations for this defense being a little bit more of an experienced group should have been a little bit higher. Um, just in my personal opinion, um, the fact that we let up over 304 yards, uh, uh, passing yards per game is kind of outrageous. Um, the secondary got beat a lot last year, and letting opponents have a 42% third down conversion rate is extremely high, in, uh, in my opinion. I, if you're not going to win games, if you're, not, if you're not making stops on third down, um, and I think that's something that uh, we really need to look into uh, with fall camp and heading into this season is, yes, our offense has the potential to be great, but is the defense is going to be able to bounce back from the from this down year they had in 2020.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know we're going to touch on that as we get into like the actual fall camp headlines. So I'll probably save a couple of my talking points, but I will just double down on everything you said. Like I've never seen. Honestly, like this is crazy. I can't remember our secondary ever being that bad, even in like the worst Mike London years. I hate to put it that way, but like (laughs) seriously, like even in Mike London years, we had Chase Minifield, we had Ant Harris, we had guys that like went to the NFL, and like some people like Rodney McLeod and Ant Harris that are still like starting in the NFL today. Like it's, it was surprising to see. And I will say, I'm a little concerned that none of these younger guys that we had recruited that are like, you know, rising second and third year players that they weren't able to really like make a push to get on the field does concern me a little bit. Um, and like I said, we'll touch on a little bit more detail Mm -hmm. moving forward, but it'll be interesting to see how a couple of the transfers that got brought in, how they might factor into the equation. Um, but yeah, I think we, uh, we, we can both certainly agree we would love to see that be an
0: epic improvement coming in the, in the fall season. Exactly. Exactly. So moving on from 2020, you know, you know, like COVID, like, you know, the 2020 year as a whole, it's time to I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to put that year in the past, just make it disappear like it never happened. Um, but, you know, we're moving on to 2021 now. We have so much to be excited about. Uh, UVA football has already announced that you know we're in full uh full capacity for the opening of the season and everything and um so that's definitely uh definitely a lot to to look forward to um as far as that goes um and so kind of looking into fall camp and the the headlines um that I think we're looking at is probably the big elephant in the room obviously we just talked about Lavelle Davis is out with a you know, pretty serious injury that's going to keep him out for majority of the year, if not for the entire year. Um, who's going to fill those shoes that when your star receiver goes down, who who are, who are you expecting to step up and take on that main role? When everybody was looking forward to that explosive player being out on the field, who's going to be the next explosive guy?
1: It's It's my boy, dude. It's the guy I've been telling you about from day one, literally from that pit game that we went to. When I saw him trotting out on the field with the first team on the first possession that we had, I couldn't believe that he was already getting on the field. He obviously didn't have quite the same, he didn't have quite the impact in terms of like catches and yardage, but I think it early on that this this staff believes in Dontavian Wicks and would have been a key figure last year had he not gotten injured in fall camp. It sucks that we cannot have Wicks and Davis on the field from the start this year, because I mean, the ACC, I mean, they're going to be in trouble when those two guys are, are playing at the same time. But even when he's going to be like, you know, the feature guy this year, which I think he will be, um, I I'm so excited about him. Um, at the spring game, he was, everything i thought he might be and even more i would say um i think he was the star of the show in a game that like a lot of guys shined in so i'm super pumped for him you know i've been (laughs) talking him up for so long so i'm finally i'm ready for him to finally uh to prove me right
0: (laughs) absolutely absolutely and with his size man i mean you, you you watch him you watch him run routes you you watch the way the capability that he has to just go and get the football um, it's extremely impressive and um, you know I I really you know Marcus Higgins has talked about it um, very recently he thinks that if Dontavian uh, Dontavian uh, Wicks continues to pl- you know improve the way he has and puts all this he's been putting in so much work um, on the practice field if he puts that into games he seriously Higgins believes that he seriously could be a top receiver in the ACC and that's that's some huge words to be saying Mm -hmm. Um, you know in in this conference when you know you have the likes of Clemson up there you know with a lot of very talented guys UNC's got talented guys Miami you know Tech whatever it may be Boston College there's plenty there's plenty of teams with a lot of talented guys out there and you know that's some that's some big words coming out of your out of your coach and you know how's It'll be interesting to see how Wicks, um, you know, steps up to that opportunity and um, can really show out in that role. And, you know, when watching him in the spring game, he was open all the time. And if he has, if he can find ways to continue to shake defenders and get open, if him and Brennan have really established that connection that we're hoping that they that they've established, it, it could be a long day for a lot of defenses. And you think about it too, if, For some reason, the defense has finally decided to start, you know, double teaming him or, you know, putting tighter coverage on him. You have, you know, a returner in Billy Kim, who's pretty much Mr. Consistent in my eyes. He's Mm -hmm. all over the field. He racks up the catches, racks up the yards. He does the dirty work. Um, You know, he really doesn't have a lot of touchdowns to his name. I was very surprised about that. I really only think he has a couple on his career. He has two. Yeah, he literally has two on his career and but he's always been somebody that's been on the field he he makes the catches when you need him to he doesn't have a lot of drops and he just picks up yards yeah and it's something that they've been able to rely on and I think it's somebody that uh that Brennan's going to be able to rely on again this year and then you know literally somebody that's going to line up on the opposite side of of Wicks is Rayshawn Henry who's got that same physical size that Wicks does and that's going to be that's going to be problematic I mean how how do you how do you deal with you know not one but two guys of that size and then you add Jelani Woods on top of it, the transfer tight end from Oklahoma State, who Bronco has said has been the biggest uh, biggest bright spot coming out of spring camp.
1: <laughs> oh, and uh, by the way, we haven't even mentioned that uh, Keaton is just a straight-up wide receiver now, too. You know, we can talk Please. about Keaton being
0: a straight-up wide receiver, but are we going to talk about all the Please. other ways that they're going to find the oh, way yeah. to use him?
1: <laughs> We're still just talking about wide receiver. Please, double-team Wicks. Seriously, if you want to double-team Wicks, then, like, we will find a way to get the other guys wide open. Like, I mean, like, this is where I'm saying I don't think the offense has an excuse this year. Like, there is so much talent on the field. There's so many guys that are ready to, like, step up and make their mark. Um, I'm just so excited to see how we, like, scheme, you know, different ways to get all of these guys' chances to get the ball in the open field because every single player you just mentioned has, you know,
0: has a special capability to, you know, to make big plays happen. For sure. For sure. And, and there's, you know, there's one thing that I feel like is a common denominator when we discuss wide receiver corps the last couple of years, they have all the potential in the world to be very good. But one common denominator that we've dealt with in the past is drops. We've seen a lot of drops over the years and I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that we're not going to deal with that this year because like Marcus Higgins said, if this, if this wide receiving group pre- performs up to its potential, Brennan's job is going to be very easy. And Brennan really has no excuse at being a bad quarterback. Yeah. I think the it, one
1: year you saw like, you know, the, the drops not really be an issue and we were actually ironically like the best in the country in terms of like catching the ball was 2019 yep. with, with, Hassis in his senior season and and terrell Jana and joe reed who i believe like between all three of them had like two total drop balls two drops catchable balls i think they uh-huh. is the stat they use um that entire season which i think was by far and away the highest in the acc so my thought is last year when drops were a bigger issue that had to be a byproduct of like practice just not being the same i imagine like you know you get guys in the system with Hagans and and with our offense i think that's like something that i hope will will no longer be an issue moving forward but you know i we, we can't really tell until until they actually get out on the field and have the lights shining on them and a
0: guy ready to hit them <laughs> exactly exactly it'll be uh, it'll be a you know good test to see when uh, when they run out run out on the field for the first time this year um mm-hmm. you know after coming back off of a covid year it's i'm sure it's going to be be some butterflies um, when uh, being able to see fans back in the stands again. Mm-hmm. Um, but so jumping over from, you know, the wide receiving group, um, you know, this is such a very loaded running back room that we have um, on the offensive side. Uh, you know, I think, you know, we talked about how the, the running back room was seemed to be underutilized last year. I don't think they really have much of an excuse to underutilize this group this year. Um the amount of talent that is in that room is uh, probably the deepest that I've seen it in a while. Um, You know, obviously the, from the way the Broncos been talking um, Wayne Talpapa continues to win every drill and has really seemed to be leading the pack um, as far as that running back group goes, but I don't think he's really doing enough justice as to probably he's probably hiding a little bit from us, how good those guys are. Um, because I seriously think that midway through the season, you're going to start seeing him and Mike Collins probably splitting some carries. Um, you know, I think, I think Mike is really somebody that we've been high on ever since he got to Charlottesville. Um, and I think it's somebody that is really going to start to make an impact here soon. Um, and then you have incoming freshman Ahmad Faustin, and transfer Ronnie Walker, who I think when, in the spring game we both saw them have an impact in the passing game. My God, I think for the first time ever, I saw us run a true screenplay, And, you know, these are guys that are very quick and explosive and have a very easy time getting into open field. Um, and they could really give us a lot. And just, I mean, it's just one more option for us to be able yeah. to, you know, put scoring plays on the board and yeah. um, you know, it's uh yeah, I think this is, I think this is a a running back uh, room that we have something to be excited about.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think Faustin is one definitely for the future. I can't wait to see how his career ends up developing. And I think in terms of, you know, the type of guys that like to bring in, in terms of just these dudes that are going to like outwork you and outwill you every single minute of every single day, like that's, that's the type of guy that he is. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does factor in as a first year. I know Bronco is so hesitant to like trust these like first year running backs, as we saw with Mike Collins back when he was a freshman as well. But I totally agree with you. I think we have so much depth that we don't have an excuse to like not make something work in the traditional running game this year. Um, You know, another person just that they're out there was, we also have Darrington that transfer from Harvard as well. I know I've actually already heard a couple of good reports about him too. So that's five guys that I feel pretty confident about stepping out on the field day one that I think can do a job. Um, And it's just now it's on the coaches and, and and on the players themselves to, to, you know, who's going to rise to the top when, when the competition gets tough. And I know he's a competitor and he's going to, no matter what, like he's going to have a role to play on this team but can these other guys step up and contribute as well? Um, I would love to see a more of a by committee approach. We started to see it a little bit last year with Simpson towards the end of the year, getting a lot more touches. Um, I think we shouldn't wait so long like to do that. I think from the start this season, I would love to see,
0: you know, four or five of these guys all being able to contribute um, from the get go. For sure. For sure. And I think it's going to make the offense a lot more dynamic if, uh, if, you know, you allow multiple, multiple of these guys to contribute, you know, it's more, it's more people that, you know, an opposing team is going to have to prepare for. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that, you know, with, with the way the game is, is improving and, um, you know, with the way this team is, you know, Broncos said if they want to succeed, they're going to have to expand their playbook. And, you know, I'm really interested to see what kind of things they're going to dig into uh, with that playbook and, uh, and how, this, uh, how this offense is going to continue to grow. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that kind of brings me to my into the next point is, you know, with with all these weapons that we have, um, you know, around Brennan and, um, you know, with the wide receiving group, the running backs, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of it's all going to feed off of how great this offensive line is about to be this year. Um, I mean, let's let's just take a moment and appreciate the work that J has done for with this offensive line. Um, You know, we've they've developed this slogan of big men lead. Um, you know, we it's before, before he came, we didn't have a good offensive line and the offense suffered because of that. We didn't have guys that had grit and, you know, we're ready to power through every single snap. Um, you know, it was, it, it's, it's a completely different feel now and he's, he's winning in the recruiting game. Um, and he's really developing these guys. I'm still mind-blown by the fact that people actually wanted to fire this guy. I mean, it (laughs) it literally blows my mind that people are ready to kick him out the door. Like, I will never understand it. Like, just give the guy time, and you gave him time, and look what happens. We seriously have one of the most experienced offensive lines in the ACC this year, and Brennan Brennan should have all the time in the world – to sit back in the pocket, make good throws. There should be holes in the um, for the running game to go right through. It, it, it yeah. the, the offense is going to feed off of this line that we have.
1: It's it's crazy. I mean, I seriously think back to, I remember going to the Notre Dame game that 2019 season, walking out of there and feeling like, if we had a legitimate offensive line, we would have won today, and thinking there was no sign of that coming and it's just crazy to think over two years like how far the line has come and it's largely the same collection of players that were in the Mm -hmm. game that day and you know it's just proof that it's a process man like especially offensive line more than any position probably in the entire roster it just takes time like so much of it is repetition getting stronger, getting bigger and understanding your assignment. And then honestly, growing a bond with the guy next to you. And these guys have like a brotherhood, basically they're as tight as can be. Um, And I think, like you said, they're going to play a huge role in in our success in both pass and run game. Um, So I'm I'm super excited to see, um, especially the fact that we have guys like Glazier and and Olu and and, uh, who else? Um, in terms of who came back for an extra year, at least those two guys, uh, there might've been even more in terms of who, who came back um, voluntarily for that super senior season. But.
0: Uh, is uh, uh, is,
1: is Wadova a, a super senior? I feel like he might just be a senior, but I could be wrong. I think, I think you might be right on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think, and I think the same Haskins might've been the other one. That That's true. Back as That's a super a one. regardless we have a lot of depth and most most of them are a senior either a first or second year senior um so it it'll be awesome to see and then guys like Bissinger that have waited their turn um you know done their time he got a chance to shine at the end of last season and mm-hmm. he really took that opportunity so it's cool to see and then now of all these players getting stacked up in the recruiting pipeline and and now they're like first years like I know what's the guy, Logan Taylor, I think was like one of our big four-star guys that's yep. on the team now. So it's exciting. And I, you know, like no guy in our coaching staff like deserves it more, just given like all of the, the beef that he had to handle uh, over a couple of years. So
0: Agreed. I'm really, really happy for him. For sure. For sure. Me too. Me too. And, uh, if, you know, for some reason, Zach Rice, if you're watching this, you know, <laughs> A big big men lead, you know, in Charlottesville. So you know, come on over. You are a big man. <laughs> yeah. <yep. laughs> um. So let's jump over to the other side of the ball. Um. You know, as far as, uh, you know, just two more two more headlines. I think we're really looking at is uh, something that we kind of already touched on. But you know, is the secondary going to be able to step up this year? You know, we have all all this offensive explosiveness that has all the potential in the world to uh, to move the ball down the field, score a lot of points, but is the defense going to be able to keep up um, with preventing the other teams from scoring? Because I don't think, I don't think the offense is going to be the issue. It's going to be the defense's, defensive side of the ball and how they can, how they can produce, you know, um, I, I like, I like the move of moving cross back to safety. Um, I think that's a, I think he's a yep. lot more successful there. I know you can speak to that specifically. Um, I think you hated him at cornerback. Um, and, you know, I definitely would agree with you there. I think he's a lot more comfortable at free safety and with him and blunt back there, I think, uh, I think they can, I think they can work really well off each other. The two guys that have been around the program for a while now and are going to be able to, uh, I really think they're going to, I think they're really going to help out in that aspect of things. Um, I think, I think Darius Brad and Nick Grant really need to step up this year. I think, I think the two of them could have the potential to really be big leaders, um, for the program. Um, and, you know, I think, I really think that they, they can lead, if they can, if they can have good years, um, or just be consistent, um, preventing big plays, uh, then I think, I think we'll be okay. I think, I think that's been the big, the main problem is just letting up the big play way too often.
1: Yeah. I mean, we got like, I, you know, we had a couple of injuries in the secondary and that never helps, but we adopted sort of like a bin, but don't break mentality for you know, the latter half of the season and it kind of worked. Um, it wasn't pretty. We gave up a lot of points, a lot, but we did, um, you know, I can remember multiple occasions of like allowing a 60 yard play to get down to the 15 yard line. And then they only gain one more yard and they have to kick a field goal. Um, so, you know, it's not a perfect philosophy. Uh, it did work in stretches last year, but it's not sustainable. And if you want to really be able to compete for a coastal crown, like, that's not acceptable. You're going to have to actually be, you know, the defense that Bronco Mendenhall typically has. And and that's at a minimum, you know. But, you know, what's our standard? I think it's 24 points per game or less. And, that, yeah. it, you know, that's that's one of our three um, keys to like victory every single every single week. So
0: we um, get we gave up
1: only we gave up over 31 points a game last year. Yeah, which is just, like, not acceptable in, in our no. program. And I, I know that Bronco feels the same. Uh-huh. And clearly he made adjustments to the coaching staff to, to try to reflect his, his vision there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, just just to tag, t- tag on, um, I, I really am excited for Brad. And I thought he looked great in spring. Grant was hurt, so I'm you know, in the spring game. But I'd have to imagine, you know, at the very minimum, we know what his floor is. And hopefully he got a little bit better. Um, But then, you know, competition breeds excellence. We got Josh Hayes, transfer from North Dakota State. You Uh know, he at a very minimum, he brings a winning mentality and a competitive spirit to a team that, frankly, needs it back there. Uh Um, And then, you know, you have Anthony Johnson, uh, transfer from Louisville, who I know we were both really impressed with in the spring game as well. He brought a physical nature to the position that we don't see from any of the other players on our roster. Yeah. that I think is is something you know that can hopefully shake things up a little bit, um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, opening depth chart when we when we break that down in a couple of weeks, like who falls where. I have a feeling we might be playing the or game again with Bronco as we do every year, where there's like three guys listed on the depth chart at with an or next to their name, but um, we'll really find out on the first defensive possession um in the season and from there it's just guys got to earn it every single snap
0: yeah exactly and i I have a feeling that it's going to be very short leashes because with the bronco being a defensive-minded coach he's not going to settle for 30 points a game again this year yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna be it's not gonna be something that you're going to win football games doing um you know i think i really think that 24 number that we talk about um, is honestly a good number. I think, uh, especially with the way this offense has the potential to perform, I legit think this offense could put up thirty-five plus points a game this year. I really fully believe that. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's a that's a huge task, especially in the schedule that we have. Um, but I I think I think as far as the talent that's there, they can put up thirty to thirty-five plus points a game this year, each uh, you know this year and like you know there's like a point that i made the defense doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be you know 100 percent locked down but prevent the big plays settle take care of business on third downs let your offense get back out on the field that's how you're going to win football games plain and simple and so this is something that they weren't able to do last year so if they can step up to that point and really take care of things in the secondary then I think you're going to see a completely different defense this year because now it's going to go right into you know our, uh, my other point. The front seven could literally be, could legitimately be one of the best in the ACC, and nobody's talking about it. The defensive line is pretty unreal. You have mm-hmm. Mandy Alonzo and Aaron Famui returning, and Famui didn't even play last year. So it's great to have him back. Mandy Alonzo, who, you know, household name in Charlottesville at this point, his name's probably going to be up somewhere, you know, around the around Scott Stadium. Probably (laughs) ordered an Alonzo burger or something like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And then you have the likes of, you know, standout freshman Jameer Carter, who, you know, came in last year and he worked hard, made a name for himself, and who's going to be a problem this year them you know highly touted recruit ben smiley that's going to be on the, on that front line and you know i think all these guys working in rotation and you have i mean there are other guys too that are you know falling right behind them that are mm-hmm. providing the experience and the are going to they're going to have they're going to have a very easy time of getting to the quarterback i feel like um this year and, and really putting a stop in the in a, mm-hmm. an opponent's run game
1: yeah Agreed. Definitely uh, used to
0: be, an uh, again, another weakness that we used to have
1: on the team three, four years ago that now is one of our greatest strengths. Um, so it's awesome to see, you know, and you don't even get to mention guys like Atariwa, uh, Jonathan Horton, uh, you know, he was a promising freshman last year that didn't really mm-hmm. even get to play that many snaps and Lucy Milani, who actually did get to feature in a couple of games like there are so many dudes that are just like chomping at the bit to have a chance to succeed here. So I'm very excited about the defensive line
0: moving forward. And I think symptoms, you know, was a perfect hire there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then jumping back to the linebacker, uh, to the linebacker corps, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty impressive room that we had there um, with, you know, Nick Jackson and Noah Taylor going to be leading the way this year. I think both of them uh, are set for a big year. Um, You know, I think they can, I think they can really provide, um, a lot of versatility on the defense um, when it comes to rushing the quarterback. If you have to drop back in coverage, I think it's something that they're definitely more than capable of doing. Um, and you know, that's at least as far as the outside goes. As the inside, it seems to be an all-out war um, for that starting spot. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of rumblings uh, about possibly Hunter Stewart or uh, Josh Ahern, um, You know, kind of fighting for that spot. Um, but I mean, there's there's many others that um, that we can definitely consider as well. Um, you know, it definitely seems like a uh, like a really, really talented group um, coming through there. And, you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens.
1: For sure. And, you know, we've heard rumblings throughout the offseason of us switching our base defense to a three, three, five. You know, I'm going to continue to operate under assumption three, four package will at least be one of our, um, you know, base. Um, until I see otherwise but yeah um, you know I think I think like you said that middle linebacker spot is up for grabs I think that we have two very viable options there in Hunter Stewart and Ahern Um, Mm -hmm. I know James Jackson was another guy that impressed a lot in camp he was an early enrollee as a freshman and I've already even heard West Weeks who's another true freshman his name getting tossed out there is another guy that's really impressed early but I think even more interesting than the middle linebacker battle might even be the outside linebacker battle where, you know, who's going to line up on the other side of Noah Taylor um, and set the edge, like, you know, Charles Snowden, his, his shoes need Mm -hmm. to be filled as well. Um, You know, we got Elliot Brown back. Um, You got guys like, you know, Deshaun Perry, Um, you know, you've got like, let's see who else. I mean, there's, there's plenty of other guys that, that have like been waiting to, to get a chance out there that we maybe yeah. haven't even seen on the field yet. You have but, um,
0: you have Josh McCarron coming in as a yeah. freshman from Washington who was very high, very talented out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, it's honestly, there's a lot of freshmen coming in on that outside linebacker group, um, you know, that could, we could see some of these guys hitting the field this year um, yeah. and, you know, might, might be a little bit unexpected. Um, so, uh, it's yeah. Definitely something to uh, definitely something to look out for. Another for sure. name
1: I just remembered that I, this guy can play both inside and outside, just like Hunter Stewart is TC Harrison. He's another guy that's been, you know, waiting his turn. So yeah, uh, again, like all over the place. I think we've had more. I think we have more battles for starting jobs open this off season than we've had in a while. So it'll be really interesting to see like who actually ends up
0: winning the job. Agreed. Agreed. So as far as the fall headlines go, I mean that's pretty that's pretty much about it. I mean, I think I think as far as, you know, the team as a whole goes, I think uh, you know, I think the expectations were pretty clear, um, kind of going into the season and uh what uh you know what what we can expect I think from both sides of the ball. So I think I think the defense has more questions to answer. Um and then I think Brendan Armstrong specifically has his own questions to answer, you know, but we'll mm-hmm. see that as kind of once the season gets started. Um, so as far as, uh, you know, some things that, you know, we're probably looking out for for the season um, and, you know, I've seen this, we've seen this headline thrown around a lot and, you know, I even mentioned it, but, you know, could this be the greatest offense that you know UVA has ever had under Bronco Mendenhall? Hall? You know, we've talked about how, you know, incredible the uh, the weapons are in the running back room and Brendan Armstrong has a, cap- has a capability of being an incredible quarterback, um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Cause you know, I've seen a couple of people throw it around and you know, is that, is that a premature judgment to say before the season's even started when, uh, especially when Brennan Armstrong didn't have all that great of a year last year?
1: I would argue that I thought he was pretty good, but I, I can see the argument for like wanting to see more from him for sure. But you know, like any prognostication before a season starts, you can make the argument, Oh, how do you, how can you say that before you you've actually seen it? Like, You know, I've been following this team for a very long time. Um, I was very excited before the 2019 season for that offense. Um, I see way more weapons on the field. The only difference between 2019 and 2020 is maybe just the fact that we felt maybe a little bit more confident about Bryce Perkins going into year two than we did about Brennan Armstrong. But, you know, from a personal standpoint, I feel like he's well equipped. to to run this offense. And we've seen it like in many, many flashes across last season. I just want to see him be more consistent. If he's consistent and our offensive line play is as good as we think it's going to be, then I think you have every reason to believe this will be, in my opinion, by far the best offense that we've had since, since Broncos gotten here and probably the best offense since like, I mean, seriously back to the days of like Matt Schaub and Heath Miller, like that level of, of
0: dominant, in my opinion. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely that would that would uh that would definitely be ideal you know and absolutely. that's a throwback I'm, I'm hoping i'm upset. hoping for that i'm hoping for that kind of success <laughs> um so another another uh hard-hitting question you know we haven't really talked about special teams at all uh you know t- so far tonight uh today who who's gonna be the starting place kicker you know brian delaney's gone and graduated and uh you know it's it seems like we kind of had a uh had a battle in the spring game specifically between justin dunkel and hunter pearson you know who, who are we going to see run out on the field for the first time, uh, you know, come, come game time and uh, against William & Mary? I uh,
1: think it's a great question.
0: I feel pretty good about both options.
1: Um, I think from what I've seen, and just for the background of people, I was a college soccer player. So I think I, I did a little bit of kicking in high school. So I feel like I'm well positioned to at least give it, a decent observation of of what I think of these two guys. But, um, I thought Dunkel had a bigger leg has more upside and then Pearson is just uh, maybe a little bit more reliable from, from shorter yardage. So it'll just be a matter of can Dunkel, you know, become more of a reliable guy on, on the shorter kicks. Um, Mm -hmm. he's definitely going to do the kickoff duty. Um, he took that over from Delaney last year. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I would expect it to be Dunkel um, but
0: I won't be shocked either way and maybe we'll see them both agreed agreed and you know I'm, I, I tell you one thing when, when we were at the spring game I, I really hadn't seen anybody from UVA uh, have the football explode off of their foot the way I walk um, the way Justin Dunkels does yeah I mean he it's solid contact almost every single time and the boot the ball just flies off of his foot. Um, So it'll be, it'll definitely be really interesting to see for sure. Um, And this so now this is a guy that we, you know, we mentioned a little bit earlier on. Uh, How many ways do you think Keaton Thomas is going to be used this year?
1: How many ways can one player
0: be used and multiply that by two? (laughs) Let's see. We probably have offense, defense, special teams. um, (laughs) And I guess on the offensive side of the ball, he can play wide receiver, running back, quarterback, um, you know, shoot, we might even see him line up at tight end. I, I, mean, heck, I mean, heck, you know, Robert and I might need to take a bathroom break and just hand him the headset and here here a false place. Um, <laughs> no, careful, and I, he might not get your job back. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think just the – this is somebody that came in from Mississippi State um, as a transfer quarterback, and, you know, none, really his, his stats didn't impress anybody. I mean, it wasn't anything really for us to – You know, write home about, but this is a guy that has made an impact on this program that nobody the way nobody expected him to, and um, you know it's been cool to see, especially since he like he went to he went to the ACC media day. Since Mm -hmm. when do you see two quarterbacks going to ACC media day for one team? (laughs) It doesn't happen. Yeah, and if it
1: and if it did, people would assume there's some sort of like animosity between the two of them, but they look. Thick as thieves when you see them together. And I think what was probably a pretty competitive battle early on last year ended in a very good relationship. For sure. We were able to leverage Keaton Thompson's ability beyond just being able to like, you know, command an offense where you know he's just too dang good to like keep on the sideline and not have him in the game. Um, and I guess we feel decent enough about the depth of quarterback outside of him that we're willing to put him out there on any given play. So I, you know, I think much like we saw last year, we will continue to see an even probably higher volume of, of Keaton Thompson um, in a
0: variety of different ways across the field. Agreed. And I think the more mind blowing thing to me when, you know, when, you know, Bronco and company is asked about Keaton and, uh, you know, they, they talk about how they haven't even used him to his full potential yet. And there's still more things they can do. I'm like, what else is left? <laughs> like, please, please let me know. So yeah, I'm definitely, uh, definitely looking forward to seeing how he gets utilized um, kind of going forward. And um, I think he's going to play a very impactful role. And it's just one, one more guy that the, you know, that opposing defenses have to have to look for. Um, but I think, you know, and then, you know, last thing for me, um, how do you think this team is going to respond to the adversity? You know, you come off of a huge year um, in 2019 after beating Tech, and then you kind of have a down year. Um, I mean, yeah, we went five and five, but, you know, COVID was weird. Um, You know, it wasn't the greatest season that we were hoping for. You kind of get your, get your shit kicked in by Tech. um, And then, you know, you have to kind of rebound from that. And there's, and on top of that, you have, you know, analysts and, and poll makers and you know guys doing rankings where they pretty much have UVA down towards the bottom of the coastal this year and aren't really expecting them to make a whole lot of noise. Um, you know, they're they're mainly talking about UNC, Miami, Tech, and obviously Clemson. Um, how how do you think they respond to this, and what do you think their what do you think their main motivation is going kind of heading into fall camp and heading into the season?
1: I mean, to be honest with you, like we got love in preseason one time and that was you know not even like a decisive preseason choice as us to win the coastal division in 2019 um you know we technically like ended first in the polling but the numbers were incredibly close between us virginia tech and miami that year so all of that to say i don't even think we've ever been like highly touted under Bronco Mendenhall it's always been overachieving last year was maybe the one exception um but I I think that like the type of guys that they recruit and the the culture that that Bronco instills it's it's always earned not given um so regardless of whether we're highly touted or not I expect the guys to go out there and play with a chip on their shoulder every single game. So I think they'll respond well. If they take that as adversity, I'm concerned about their mental state, um, but I, I, I feel very confident that they'll, uh, they'll use it to fuel the fire. And then, you know, if we get to a point where we're doing well this year and we start to get some love on like the national media perspective, I think that they'll just tune that out and just focus on the, the task at hand. So I think from a mentality standpoint, um, you don't have a choice in this program. Um, you have to be
0: mentally strong. So I think they'll respond very well to it. Agreed. Agreed. All right, well, moving on to our last thing for, uh, for the podcast today. Um, so obviously the, the number selections are a big deal at the program. It's not really anything that you see at any other program across the country. Um, none of the players uh, start out with a number, and you pretty much earn your way um, to be able to select your number um, through a series of tests, through fall camp, and um, you, pretty much, you pretty much earn your way to having a uniform um, out on the field. And uh, so Hunter and I decided that we were going to make our predictions on who were going to be the first 30 players to receive their uniform picks. Now, I don't think it's necessary for us to go through all 30 of each of our picks, um, but one thing, Hunter, I do want to talk about is, you know, Who who our overall number one pick is, uh, you know some of I think, and then kind of maybe who maybe a couple of our unique ones, maybe ones that uh, we didn't have as the same, and you know we can talk about a few that maybe we do have as the same. Um, so who's 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 going to be your number one overall pick and why?
1: Well, before we get to that, real quick, just want to make sure everyone knows that we're being competitive here too. Uh, It's given that we're in fall camp, we're in the nature of competition friendly competition here so maybe maybe the loser has to buy a, a buy a beer for a guy at the first game but uh well, well the way we're we're grading this out is one point for every guess that you get correct and then three points if you correctly guess the first number choice and a tiebreaker if we get to the end and we're and we're tied um is we'll go with whoever has the most correct underclassmen and w- You know that with that being defined as redshirt sophomore and below, Um, so yeah. So so without further ado, um, my who I have as the number one overall pick is based on um, you know the guy that just broke the rock at the end of of the fall training camp um, preseason conditioning was Mandy Alonso. Um, You know I think he's been a great servant to the program. I think he's the guy that is highly respected by his teammates. I think the fact that he came back for an extra year when, you know, he could have moved on and probably gone on and done great things outside of football. um, I think it really showed his dedication to not only the team and the coaches, but like, you know, the program in general. Um, And I think that he'll be rewarded for that by his teammates.
0: Agreed. I I like your pick. I really do. Um, But, I'm going to have to uh, sadly uh, you know, disagree uh, with mm-hmm. with the first choice on this one. This is somebody that, uh, you know, I think based off kind of what we've talked about today, you know, probably is a surprising pick on my end, but the way that I've listened to Bronco and Anai and some of the other offensive coaches talk about the progress that he's made and the, the belief that they have in him to really come out and shine, Um has really just made me, made me think that they want to do something like, something like this to instill the confidence that he needs um, and to showcase the leader that he's about to be in this program. Um, I, I'm going to make a wild – I mean, it's a wild prediction, but I, I really think that there's a potential that Brennan Armstrong could be making the first jersey choice um, of the year. Um, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a long, it's, I think it's a long shot, but I think it's somebody that, um, has really improved, um, you know, over spring and fall camp. And I think, uh, I think it's been really recognized by the coaches.
1: Yeah. I mean, shoot, I'm, I'm for it. I would have no issue with that. And I expect him to be, uh, as, as I'll mention here in a second, I totally expect him to be one of the first guys to get to the, choose their jersey. Um, and, and get to rock the number five again this upcoming year for sure. um, so yeah I, I'm, I would love to see that from the team I think that would be a great vote of confidence from from the group of guys that you know ultimately he can only be as
0: successful as as, as
1: much as they support him for sure for sure all right
0: well who's one um who's one person that you have as far as like guys that we didn't have the same? Um, who's who's your unique choice that kind of really stands out to you as someone that's really deserving of a first-round jersey choice?
1: Ooh, put me on the spot. Uh, let's see. I Probably a unique one from me relative to, like, your list is I have Joe Bissinger. I feel pretty good about the fact that, you know, he was able to submit himself into a group of guys that, like, are – you know, for the most part, much more experienced than him in terms of like, um, you know, starts and and snaps played. Um, And he just blended right in with the group. Um, In fact, in some ways, he even shined. Um, So, you know, I I feel pretty good about that one. And um, I think that would be a good testament to how far the line has come.
0: For sure. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, And then as far as my, probably my most unique choice, I would definitely say, is uh, incoming freshman at Um, I think that you know this is probably another another long shot, but it's somebody that I watched in uh, in the spring game and somebody that I saw um, you know was very seemed to be very highly respected coming in uh, coming into the program. Somebody that really p- people were people were really looking out for this guy and um, you know seeing what kind of impact he was going to have, and a lot of people were thinking that he could have an immediate impact on the program. Um, I, I fully believe that, you know, he's somebody that it's somebody that uh, we're going to be mentioning his name quite often in the future. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something that uh, I, th- I think his, his size, his frame, his explosiveness, um, you know, he's, he really has, I think the, he's very versatile in that he can move from North to South and East to West um, on the field. And um, I think, I think that he could really pose a problem in both the, uh, the running game and the passing game as well. So I, I expect him to, uh, you know, have, I think he has the potential to uh, be good early on. And I think uh, he could be somebody that maybe has maybe flown under the radar um, in spring and fall camp and, and could, you know, maybe really insert himself into uh, into that group of, uh, mm-hmm. of 30 guys, you know, right from the get go.
1: Yeah. I mean, we definitely know from his Twitter page, this guy works, works hard and uh and and we did get to see it in person ourselves um so just maybe to, to quickly run through um i, I don't want to spend a super long time like listing them out but i, I do think just for the listeners sake it might be cool to hear the guys that we had in common um for sure so, th- so, so the ones that we both had we had 22 of the same uh i would say these are probably consensus picks um we got armstrong uh we got mandy alonzo josh Ahern. Joey Blunt, Jameer Carter, Devonte Cross, uh, Lavelle Davis, Chris Glazier, Nick Grant, Bobby Haskins, Rashawn Henry, Nick Jackson, Billy Kemp, Grant Mish, uh, Ryan Nelson, Olu Oluwatimi, Ryan Swoboda, Wayne Talapapa, Noah Taylor, Keeton Thompson, Dontavian Wicks, and Jelani Woods. Um. Austin, you want to quickly give the the ones that you had unique to to the choices that I had?
0: Yeah, yeah. So obviously, um, uh, so Armstrong being my first choice was unique. Um, but then I also have um, Artie Henry, who um, I think a guy that we didn't even really talk about as far as the wide receiving group. He just adds to the list. Um, he's coming in from Marshall. Um, he was a pretty pretty big standout there, and um, he could he could be somebody that could make an immediate impact as well. I don't think really anybody's talking about. Um, I also had, uh, Darius Bratton. Um, I have Chase Chalmers. Um, I have Aaron Famui, um, who I think maybe gets lost in the mix a little bit just because he Mm -hmm. sat out with COVID last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so Ahmaud Faustin, uh, Cohen King, who's somebody that I'm hoping will step up in the secondary this year. Um, Ben Smiley and then Ronnie Walker, um, who's some someone that I think, uh, you know, could be, could really play a big role in the running in the running game this year. Yeah. Um,
1: Definitely don't really disagree with anyone. I wouldn't be shocked with any of these. Um, I think my only logic really was Famui maybe with doing the opt-out year might just need to like – not that there was anything wrong with opting out, but it just is one of those things where you're not getting seen every day by your teammates whereas other guys are. Um, that was the one thing I thought about there, but otherwise he would have definitely been in my first group. And then Cohen King, I probably should have included him. That was probably an oversight on my side because I'm pretty sure he was in the first group last year. But anywho, um, my unique choices, obviously, as I alluded to, Alonzo was my first choice, which was unique to yours. I had Joe Bissinger. Elliott Brown, Paris Jones, T.C. Harrison, Darren Klein, which I'll touch on in a second, Hayden Mitchell, Damiq Starling, and Hunter Stewart. So Darren Klein is probably one that's like the the uh, the most unique of the group. Uh, he's, he's a walk-on guy that uh, he, he, he plays in the secondary. Um, I think he kind of is in a similar vein to Cohen King, where he's worked his way up into being maybe like in in the two deep or on the three deep if we were able to do a three deep on the depth chart um but he isn't exactly going to be um you know like a, a star in the sense of like you know winning us football games but the the work that he does on the practice field contributing to our first guys um you know being able to get better and and being prepared for the game. Um, I I have heard a lot of great things about him in that regard. So I could see him being the Reed Kellum type where he got the first choice in 2019 um, and was sort of like an out of nowhere choice that nobody really knew about. Um, So it was a little bit of a stretch, but if we're in, you know, if we're having a competition, I have to differentiate myself away from you a little bit. So that was one that I uh, had to sneak in there.
0: For sure. For sure. And I'm sure there'll be some ones that we were, uh, that were way off on and uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to entertain that when we, when it comes to it. But, you know, I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing who gets selected and, uh, you know, yeah. there's, and, there'll be some, maybe there'll be some surprise names that uh, come out of nowhere and, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be entertaining to, to see for sure. No doubt. And we'll definitely do a breakdown of that
1: once that's released. I think usually it's at the end of the first week over the weekend. So, um, I believe we're going to be putting this podcast out on Friday. So hopefully we'll hear something on Sunday and be able to report on it, um, you know, during next week's podcast.
0: Yep. Yep. That sounds good. That sounds good. Well, uh, thank you for everybody who tuned in and um, you know, we're, like I said, we're excited to be back and you know, football season is right around the corner. So we hope that you know, you guys are all of our listeners out there are looking forward to the upcoming season, looking forward to being back with your with your friends and family and tailgates and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be all singing. We'll all be singing the good old song together soon in Scott mm-hmm. Stadium. And uh, if you haven't gotten the chance to, uh, be sure to drop us a follow on uh, all the social media platforms, uh, Twitter, and uh, all of our listening pa- platforms like Apple Music, Spotify, uh, whatever it is that you may listen to your podcast on. Um, we're pretty much on everything. So, uh, mm-hmm. thank you, guys, again for listening, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Everybody, have a good one and go Hoos!
1: Go Hoos!